If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah, there goes. The Blubbity Bar. Sending out good vibes. I mean, it was showed all the evidence for how the United States was going to burn up and we we're going to drown and all kinds of horrible things were going to happen based on these charts. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with Tony Heller a little bit later, Steve Goddard, some of you might know him as. Uh, a lot of you have been bugging us to get him on the show for a while now. He, of course, is one of those climate skeptics. He gets himself in a lot of trouble on Twitter for just that. Really? Of course, we've been accused of being climate skeptics ourselves from time to time, but that's because we live in a city that seems to be getting colder and colder every year. <laughs> but I guess that's why they're not climate. Anyway, we got friend of the show, Michael Truffaut, here again for this intro. And uh, we got everybody's favorite short shorts, Graham Short Shorts Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Are you getting bigger still or shorts what? getting smaller? Well, you look like you've lost weight. Well, I have, yeah. But your shorts are still pretty tight. These aren't tight shorts. It's just the way I'm sitting. I'd hate to see his tight shorts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you've seen my tight shorts. They don't fit anymore. They're ripped, probably. <laughs> How you been? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Looking forward to releasing this episode for a while. I'm, so, you know, I see his YouTube videos and things are ramping up in this whole climate change debate, and I, I saw some great evidence of uh, historical events that the the media is just getting completely wrong, and uh, it's uh, really interesting because we have an election coming up here in Canada, and of course, this is a big a big sort of topic because you know. Energy is how fucking Alberta's made its, you know. When is the election? October 21st, I think. Oh, boy. Yeah. Who are you going to vote for? Change. <laughs> I don't think change. I don't think I'm going to vote this year. Really? Fuck this it. is the year you got to vote. I'm not. This is the year you got to vote. Anyways, let's not get into the local politics. I'm out. But Tony does a great job at showing the difference between the media and reality and where they cut off these temperature records to show us the wrong trend. I mean, it's fucking unbelievable. It's disgusting. I don't know. So many things are ghostwritten now. So many things are ghostwritten now. And a lot of information is just so it's been tweaked for a long time. And a lot of people are now just waking up to that. But. It's 1984, bro. I'm telling you. It's been 1984 for a long time. Yeah. They, they got this weird thing where they got to tell you what they're up to. I feel like that's the thing. They got this it's weird the, thing. It's inviting the vampire into the house. They it really is. You, you can't you go unless you... We've been... in. They've been invited in because they've showed us. They've hidden in plain sight what's going on. The fact that O'Brien is in charge of the NSA, I'm just like, that's it. I, I give up. I just, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. <laughs> Of course, for those of you who don't get the reference of Brian, is he the head of the Minister, Ministry of Truth in that? No. He ends no, up no. being the guy who... Whoops. Go ahead. He, 
he ends up being the guy who fucks over Buddy anyway. He thinks he's a good guy, but actually he's a bad guy. He but thinks he's a good guy? What's Buddy's name now in 1984? I forget uh, the main character's name. Anyway, the main character learns to think that O'Brien's on his side in the rebellion against the state. So he starts to confide in O'Brien, but it actually turns out that O'Brien is actually just a double agent <laughs> whose job it is to catch these mother, you know, to yeah, catch these yeah, guys when yeah, they do it. Yeah. So now this guy's in charge of the agency that all the Q people think is the agency that's trying to save the day. Wow. That almost deserves when an episode. I would like, argue we gotta do an that they're all fascists. Yeah. And it's all going... I mean, Michael must be happy to see me land firmly back in this camp. The, who's all fascists? I went and... Q? The NSA, the government. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. So I just say that because the Q people think that the NSA is the agency that's on the side of the patriots and it's going to save the day. And I'm saying, eh, you guys are going to be waiting a long time if you think anyone's going to save you from yourselves. Yeah. Worry about being a better person and that's all you can do. Somebody threw uh, this in the chat today. One of the reasons why I want to Our push chats? this. <laughs> yep. One of the reasons why I want to push this episode out, because this is what he talks about as well. All the predictions, right? The predictions of the Arctic melting, which is actually, it's happening the opposite. It's not melting. And Antarctica. So I've got, I've got a list here. R wrong again. 50 years of failed eco-apocalyptic predictions. So I thought maybe I'd go through a few of them. All right, let's hear it. You want to do a jingle or? Uh, what jingle would I play for such a thing? <clears throat> you know, climate apocalypse jingle. Yeah. Well, I've got, the, the, I've got the quote jingle, climate all, apocalypse jingle all lined up. We do need a we, do, we, we, we do should need. have some sort of a climate jingle. Some with like Greta Thunberg saying it, we're going to burn. But not Our weird. house is on fire and we're going to burn in Here, 12 we'll go, years or whatever. Let's go with this one. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is that's pretty appropriate, really. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. This is from thanks to Tony Heller, huh? So Charles. somebody, what? Uh, this is from Tony. You're reading an email from Tony? No, no, it's a oh. it's a a big article with a bunch of newspapers. But I guess it was put in our chat. But I didn't realize that the. The uh, the kudos are going to Tony here. So do you modern, do any fucking pre work on this? Oh my god! <laughs> modern doomsayers have been predicting climate and environmental disasters since the '60s. They continue to do so today. None of the apocalyptic predictions with due dates as of today have come true. None. What follows is a collection of notably wild predictions from notable people in government and science. Like this is what people need to take into account when hearing the media and the government. Of the, of the globalists pushing all this propaganda on us, right? More than likely spotlighting the failed predictions, the collection shows that the makers of failed predictions are often individuals holding respected positions in government and science. While such predictions have been and continually be enthusiastically reported by a meager, a media eager, <laughs> meager, I like that, a media eager for sensational headlines, the failures are typically not revisited. So 1967, dire famine by 75. Dire famine forecast by 75, Los Angeles. It is ready, 
It is already too late for the world to avoid long period of famine, a Stanford University biologist said Thursday. Paul Elric said, the time of famines is upon us and we will, we will be at its worst and most disastrous by 1975. He said, the population in the United States is already too big. Birth control may have to be accomplished by making it involuntary by putting sterilizing agents into staple foods and drinking water. And that the Roman Catholic Church should be pressured into going along with routine measures of population control. This is uh, Los Angeles Times writer by George Getz. The New York Times, August 10th, 1969. Foe of pollution seeks lack of time. Asserts environmental ills outrun public concern. So Palo Alto, California, August 5th. The trouble with almost all environmental problems, says Al Rich. The population biologist is that by the time we have enough evidence to convince people, you're dead. We must realize that unless we are extremely lucky, everyone will disappear in a cloud of blue steam in 20 years. That's from the New York Times. Thursday, April 16th, 1970. Scientists predict a new ice age by the 21st century. We've all heard about this lately, right? Air pollution may obliterate the sun and cause a new age, a new ice age in the first third of the next century. The demands for cooling water will boil, dry the entire flow of the rivers and streams of continental United States. October 6th, this is from Daily Facts, Daily Redland Facts from California, October 6th, 1970. This is this Elrich dude again. And it does need saving, Elrich predicts, that the oceans will be as dead as Lake Erie in less than a decade. America will be subject to water rationing by 1974 and food rationing by 1980. The next one, 1971, the new ice age is coming. U.S. scientists sees new ice age coming. Dr. Rasul of the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, so that'd be NASA, (laughs) and Columbia University says, in the next 50 years, the fine dust man constantly puts into the... The fine dust man constantly puts into the atmosphere by fossil fuel burning could screen out so much sunlight that the average temperature could drop by six degrees. If sustained over several years, five to ten, he estimated. Such a temperature decrease could be sufficient to trigger an ice age. This is from Brown University. The ice age is coming. I mean, that's the thing, is that that's where I think we're headed right now. Well, Tony shows the, the average temperature of the United States and how that's really the best spot to get all these temperature records, right? From the last couple hundred years, hundred years. And if, and if he's right, which I think he is, that we're not really warming. Cause there's a lot of people that go back and forth and think, Oh yeah, well they won't admit that we're not warming, right? They don't want to say that, but they just don't want to commit to us being the cause of the supposed warming. Well, it's only supposed to be like a half a degree anyways, or whatever. But what if, what if we're not warming and we are actually cooling and then they start spraying all this geoengineering to block the sun and then, accelerate us into an ice age. I mean, this is what's going to, what could happen. Well, if they aside get their from way. that, I'd rather they just stuck with something that would just make us stop. Like, you know, let's worry about maybe the plastic in the ocean or, you know, let's, let's, exactly. let's, something let's worry tangible. about cleaning something up something real. that's, you know, seems more tangible than that. And then, and then, you know, kind of, you know, it sucks to say, but in a lot of ways, we got to wait for technology to catch up in some certain ways. Well, it, a lot we, of people are going to freeze to death and different things like that. Yeah. But I mean, somebody's written a nice 
uh, list of 10 things that we could do instead of the global warming scare that would really Ooh, make we, an impact on that? variety. That would have been way better than the eco-pocalypse list. Okay, this is from Brown University. The main conclusion of the meeting was that a global deterioration of climate by order of magnitude larger than any experienced by civilized mankind is very real possibility and may be due very soon. So space satellites show new age, new ice age coming. I'm going to just, I'm going to read the headlines and skip through because this is all about the ice age here for the next little while. Great peril to life. Gas pairs, pairs away Earth's ozone. That's from 74. Arctic, Antarctic ozone hole area. The cooling, 1976. A young climatologist of the National Center for Atmospheric Research in Boulder, Colorado, reflecting the consensus of the climatological community. The cooling. Okay, you wrap it up. No, no, no. Look, stick with me here. Okay, there's, I'm a, there's a fucking I'm long list. Yeah, you're losing roll, me. Go. No, he's in not. In 74, <laughs> Schneider and Bryson tried to explain to a White House policymaking group why conditions are likely to worsen. One of the most depressing anecdotes in the book in Schneider's description of the deaf ear of the deaf ear their warnings received. This is about cooling again. Acid rain kills life in the lakes, 1980. Acid rain, no environmental crisis study concludes. Well, I remember the acid rain days. Oh, it, that's what scared me as a kid. We were like, oh, see, I'm like. That was a personal thing for Graham. Acid oh, yeah. Well, really we, everybody's it. like, holy fuck, it's going to start raining acid. Like, we're doomed. <laughs> it was that and, the, and the, you know, the Cold War. Like, nuclear, like, hide under your desk from the nuclear attack. And so what was that trauma. movie that came, what was that movie that came out that was uh in like the early 80s 1980s for Red October? No, no, no. It was like a it was like a nuclear explosion movie or whatever. Wasn't it was probably a docu- documentary even maybe. Wasn't Hunt not sure know, it's not Hunt, yeah, for Red it Hunt, Hunt for Red October. It was like more of a documentary thing. So more droughts likely experts tell senators. Let me just get the quote here. Our climate model simulations for the late 80s and the 90s indicate a tendency for an increase of heat wave drought situations in the southeast and Midwest. But the last really dry year in the Midwest was 88, and recent years have been record wet. So they're completely wrong. Here's a graph that shows... The, oh, look at that. Oh, it's just... It's just... Okay, just wait. It's a podcast, bro. No one can see your graph. This is actually a good episode. It's an impressive graph. It is an impressive graph. This would be a good episode to head over to the YouTube channel and uh, check it out. We do have a YouTube channel. We did the episode with Tony. Graham will put a link to it in the show notes where you can see all Tony's visuals and all that great stuff. You still won't see Graham's graph. September 26, 1988, threat to the islands in the Maldives. A gradual rise in the average sea level is threatening to completely cover this Indian Ocean nation of 1,196 small islands over the next 30 years. You got to stop selling sand. <laughs> but but the end of the Maldives and its 200,000 people could come sooner if drinking water supplies dried up in 92 as predicted. 1989. New York's subway underwater by this year, 2019. Jim Hansen, the scientist who predicted the greenhouse effect before Congress. I went over to the window and looked with him and looked out on Broadway in New York and said, if you're saying, if what you're saying about the greenhouse effect is true, is anything going to look different down there in 20 years? The West side highway, which runs along the Hudson, Witter, Hudson river would be underwater. 
You'll have signs in restaurants saying water by request only. Well, shouldn't you have to request water? They just bring you water? And then here's all the models versus real observations. All the models skyrocket up like that, an average of 102 models. That reality, way down here. I mean, this is... Way down here. What a chart. This is a good one, too. Oh, another good chart. Snow is starting to disappear from our lives. Darren, did you know that? that we're not, not going to have snow anymore. Christmas is over. The warming is so intense here, children are just not going to know what the snow is. That's from another reputable paper, The Independent, 2000. The, the Guardian. A reputable now the paper. Pentagon tells Bush climate change will destroy us. Britain will be Siberia in less than 20 years. What year? NASA signed. That was uh, that was two thousand four. Saying NASA really rips apart your climate Ooh, we only segment. Have five more years. Two thousand eight. NASA scientists were toast. The Arctic will be free of sea ice in the summer. Yeah, I, I don't think they had enough information when they made those claims. Would seem to be that. That would seem to be the case. I don't know. For me, it's like you're using temperature you eat records. That, Mike. You're using temperature records from 100, 200 years ago, maybe. Yeah. But well, they're not even using to... those. That's the problem. They're not even using those. They're stopping it at the 60s and the 70s when it actually started to come up a little bit. So you're missing the whole context when of the last 100 years. a lot more concrete and asphalt was put out there. Yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. The heat island effect. Al Gore warned the entire North polarized cap will, be, will disappear in five years. Um, Al Gore's done yeah. that a couple times. Yeah, 2008. Five years. Wasn't uh, Elric his <clears throat> professor? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Gore's professor. Polar ice cap may disappear by summer 2014. Ice-free Arctic in two years, 2013. We get it. Okay. But Goes on and on. They don't talk about geoengineering. Not yet. Well, that's this. There's this no is this such, is more of a. There's no such thing as geoengineering, silly. Mm -mm. Not yet. <laughs> there was a there was a uh, diploma you could get out of uh, U of A. A geoengine. Geo Ooh, we should send you. We should send you for geoengineering. I don't think they do it anymore. They just call just, it something else. It was just that one guy, uh, Keith. What's his name? They just call David it David Keith. David Keith, yeah. They just call it chemtrailing now. Yeah, he taught the class, but now I think he's gone global. He's probably working for the UN or something implementing it. This is definitely a good one to watch on YouTube though with with uh and, and with check Tony. out his YouTube channel, man. He's coming out with a lot of content and it's great. Speaking of YouTube. <laughs> So we got from Soundgarden on episode 376, Daniel Sitaram Daj Shankin. Best episode ever. Wow. We got from Ryan Eagleton on number 311, Greg Carlwood. Hey, Greg America, I keep coming back to this video. I have it saved to hear the Space Cadet song at the very end. I shared it with my eight-year-old boy, and he loved it, and I wanted you guys to know. 
Of course, if you check out the show notes, you can head over to sirfelix.bandcamp.com and you are free to purchase that album and support Felix so that he can keep making great music. I will say Space Cadet is my favorite song. by Actually, it's my second favorite song by Felix. My first favorite song from Felix is Free Thinkers, but he won't re-record a good master of it for me. Ah, number 375, John Sample from St. Pauli. A gauge on how good an episode is is how quickly it passes. I listened to this one this morning and it flew by. I now have something else to add to my list of Netflix things to watch. Slow Boat on that same episode. Honestly, it would be so rude to get abducted and experimented on. I would try my best to solely communicate, bitch, really, to my abductors. Ah, <laughs> uh, on the Alberta Sasquatch and Mountain Beast Mysteries episode. Yeah, the thing about the boy who was missing a couple days and told everyone he was taken by a bear, I believe that happened here in North Carolina, in the Croton National Forest. I believe it was there. Uh, oh, here's one for Graham. Probably should have told him this before he ate. Uh, Graham, people die all the time from cardiac arrest after a period of fasting or starvation. Something to do with phosphate levels. Whatever you do, do not binge eat right after you start eating again. Oh, fuck, too late for that. Too late for that. I was there. I seen it. That <laughs> snack tray didn't stand a chance. <laughs> uh, one more. Here we go. Here's one from the Tony Heller video. Thanks for all your hard work, Tony. It appears it's less about fossil fuels and more to do with the globalists abolishing the concept of the nation state. Financial crisis and the drive for foreign to foreign investment policies slash structural adjustment policies of the IMF are very much a prong of the same fork. It's not about money so much as it is about absolute power and means to justify reforms that achieve a plutocratic neo-feudalism in the interest of the 1% at the detriment to everyone else. Wow. Okay, that's good enough for okay, now. Okay, I got a couple quotes. Okay, wait, I got the jingles. I got the jingle ready this time, so I'm going to play it. I like This is my favorite jingle, I think. Ah, for Profound quote of the week. Reminds me of like the, the soundtrack from the 90s or something. Like singles or something. Profound quote of the week. <laughs> Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? Okay, this is appropriate. This is why I love this book. The Octopus of the Global Control. By Charlie Robinson. I gotta keep giving him a shout out for this because it's just filled with good quotes. Like I can go through here, I can I can almost apply it to the episodes that we do. So this one's very appropriate to yeah, the Tony Heller episode. I even had some picked out for the last intro, but we couldn't play it, so I'll save them for another one. So this is in the chapter Don't Forget Your Jacket. Darren, you're gonna like this. Who's this? We've got to ride this global warming issue. Even if the theory of global warming is wrong, we will be doing the right thing in terms of economic and environmental policy. That's just what you're talking about. Timothy Worth. Oh, I was just going to say that. President. On, you got to give me time to ask. President of the UN Foundation. I had no idea. <laughs> I was going to guess. President of the UN Foundation. I was going to guess. President that. of yeah, the UN Foundation. I know, but it's, it's okay. got to be repeated because this is the, okay, the people that are. What? 
That's like three Trump's times. Trick, yeah. I, I said that three <laughs> times. No matter if the science of global warming is all phony, climate change provides the greatest opportunity to bring about justice and equality in the world. That's our own Canadian. Justin Trudeau. Uh, no, close. You'd think. Oh, Christine Stewart, former Canadian Minister of the Environment. Hmm. How do I get that gig? So, what are they already backing off their little evidence part? I mean, I they feel just like want the Minister this... of the Environment should be an Indian. <laughs> just my thoughts. Well, the reason it makes everything equal is, is that racist. It's designed. You got to eat that micro. The reason that it makes everything equal is because it brings the third world up while it yeah. begins to take down the first world. Yeah. It's a great equalizer. Taxes. Yeah. Yep. I know. And all the taxes will I go know, to sharing the them. wealth. Yeah. It's redistributing the wealth. Supposedly. Just like Agenda 21. Supposedly it's going to them. It, that's the problem. Exactly. And like we've seen with these foundations and these charities, right? It doesn't go to the end result, right? It goes into just like what happened with communism, right? Well, who, who got all the money there? Yeah. It's a pretty good trick. It's a damn good trick. That's why they're so pissed off right now. They're all fascists. That's why they're doubling down. You can't even discuss it. Yes. Some you of these can. topics you can't even discuss, but that's why we're doing it. That's it. Not with O'Brien in charge. <laughs> Not with O'Brien in charge. It's the end of an era. <laughs> end of an era, buddy. We had a good run. I mean, this is why you got to support the show because O'Brien is going to be on a tear and we've already got the websites over to their own servers. We still got to do the chats and we still got to do all the audio. We got to figure out something with the video. We're on Bitmovio and all that, all that stuff anyway. But we still got to move the audio. We got some stuff to figure out there. So we need some more supporters. If you guys can find a buck a month or two bucks a month, if the content, if the three or 400 episodes we popped out there are worth that to you, maybe you found a little value in a couple of those shows that are worth uh, a buck, two bucks, three bucks a month. I don't know. You tell us. Head to the support page. We got America.ca slash support. And you tell us what our work is worth to you. Yeah, and even on YouTube, like channels like Tony Heller's channel here, he's gets, you know, pretty good views, 10, 15,000 sometimes. Could be way, way more if they actually recommended him, but of course they won't do that because now they're taking away all the independent content and they're pushing all the mainstream news little videos in there. So they're just taking over that platform as well. I mean, it's getting ridiculous right now. Okay, we got to uh, Take off. get out of here. Uh, thanks, Tony. On that other great show. Episode. Uh, enjoy the chat. Tony Heller. Tonight, we're excited to have Tony Heller with us. He's been uh, researching this climate catastrophe, crisis thing, whatever you want to call it, for, for many years. He's been pulling back the curtain on junk science at realclimatescience.com. 
He's got a great YouTube channel, Tony Heller, with a lot of fantastic videos deconstructing the lies in the mainstream media. So thanks for joining us, Tony. It's, uh, we've been looking forward to this. Well, thank you, Darren. It's uh, Thanks for the nice introduction, and it's good to be here. Yeah, it's been, uh, like I was saying, uh, I told Darren, I was like, Darren, you got to get this Tony Heller guy on, because I've been watching your videos, and so, uh, you know, actually, I'm surprised that you're still out on YouTube. I really am, because you're really pushing hard back against the lies, and you're showing, like, you're deconstructing these you know, these media headlines that everybody gets all wrapped up in a tizzy. And some of them are like the exact opposite of what's really going on. So we really appreciate that. Well, you know, what I do is I only use like official government sources for my data. Um, and then I use a lot of articles from the New York Times. And, um, you know, to, well, what are they going to use to shut me down? I mean, I'm, I'm using their own stuff, They're their own sources of information. So <laughs> they, they would have a pretty, you know, and if you look at my videos, I typically have about... 99.5% likes. So, wow. They, 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 it would be quite a stretch for them to uh, come up with an excuse to shut me down. That's true, but they seem to be doing it to a lot of uh, a lot of people these days. I mean, I just well, cuz you really are exposing how how bad it is. Yeah, you know, I'm very careful not to use any words oh, which they okay. use against me. Um and you know, I'm a pretty hardcore environmentalist. Uh, I've been an environmental activist for for almost my entire life. I, I worked as a wilderness ranger for a while. I was involved with um, fighting for the Clean Air and Clean Water Act back in the 60s. I testified at a congressional hearing in 1972 in support of a wilderness area in Utah. So I, I have pretty solid credentials as an environmentalist. Plus, um, I, I've got... Um, 45 years of professional experience as a um, scientist and an engineer. So um, my background's pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe let's summarize for people, because um, there is a there is a way you could summarize what you've been doing. Like for me, you know, I've been watching your YouTube videos and Darren's been seeing your tweet. Like when I asked to Darren to try and track you down on Twitter, he was like, oh yeah, I've already, I'm already on it. Like he was... He well, was, I watched this. I watched the. You, I think you and Scott Adams were going back and forth for a while, and that's kind of yeah. when I got caught. When I got turned on to you. Okay. Yeah, I really appreciate Scott. Gave me a lot of good exposure. Um, <laughs> right around the t right right around the time when he um, started talking about me, my my YouTube viewership about doubled. Oh wow! So so I know him. You know, and so he's been. He's been up and down. You know, at first he was really excited about my stuff, and he said he was going to have me on the show. And then, for some reason, he didn't have me on the show. And then he started trashing me. But he's more back on the positive side. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I, I'm a huge Dilbert fan. You know, I let him know that. Um, like I, I always go to Halloween. I always dress for Halloween at work with my Dilbert tie and Dilbert outfit and everything. So it's pretty much who I am. You know. It, I'm, I'm, I am Dilbert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so actually, so, so it's funny. So at one point he was kind of trashing me and, and, and he said something which, um, which directly went against one of his Dilbert cartoons. And I said, well, you know, um, I'm a big fan of Dilbert and I'm going to have to go with Dilbert on this one. <laughs> and I think that really uh, softened him up a little bit. Yeah. Softened him up. Yeah. What, what was he, what was he trashing you about? Like, what was the thing well, that got him in a, in a tizzy? Cause you know, well, when I've been watching enough of your videos that I don't know what would, what would make me think that. 
for some reason, he just um, started saying that. Well, everything I was saying was just conspiracy theory, even though I very clearly document all of the information I provide. Right. And so I pointed him to a, a Dilbert cartoon where he was basically saying exactly the same thing about climate scientists, which I was saying. And I said, sorry, I'm going to have to go with Dilbert on this one. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, we've had so Scott on the show. Darren, we're a big fan. We've read his books and stuff, too. And yeah, yeah we, we like uh, some of his work. He's coming back on November to talk yeah. about his new book. Yeah, um, yeah he's, a good, he's a good guy. I've been a fan of his for three decades. Yeah, yeah. So I think, like, I think the main, the, the one I'm aware of, the main, like, manipulated chart is the one Don Easterbrook showed us, which I think was, like, the 30s. He had this old chart from the 30s he pulled up, and he was like, if you look at my chart, you know, all these yeah. temperatures have been knocked down like five degrees Fahrenheit or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I actually published uh, a couple books with Don, and I think I actually wrote the chapters about the temperature, about the removal of the 1930s. So, And, and I have some slides covering that. Um which we can go over today if you want. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at with the summary of of, of what I've watched over your work in the last while. It, it seems to be there's a theme of like, there's either either things have been deliberately tampered with or they're just selectively editing charts and graphs to show a certain sort of trend. And and there's just seems to be a pattern of, of ultimate lies and sometimes even misinformation that's completely backwards. And you've been deconstructing this in right. a very good way, because you're using, you're going back and you're using official data, like you said, and you're just, right. you're just showing the the raw data in a way, or or the real data, and and not showing it. So I think that's that's kind of how I think I would summarize your work. Maybe you could correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's correct, and and nobody ever actually disputes the data I'm providing, <laughs> but with the resistance I get is people say, well, that's just conspiracy theory, and they, they don't want to believe that this sort of thing could be going on. And so it's not a matter of that they have any evidence that it isn't going on. It's just that it, it doesn't fit their their view of the world. Yeah, you know they 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 want to believe that these what the government's saying and what the press is saying is accurate. And no matter how much information I provide, some people showing them that it isn't, um, they just refuse to accept it because. Like I said, it doesn't fit their view of the world. So is that is that why in, in in on some of your blogs there, I think I saw on your website that you had said you were you were um, a heretic from both sides. Like, is that what you mean? Because I from from Darren and I have been talking about this. Like, it's kind of a a hot button issue for us too because we don't buy the the narrative, but we also don't have any answers. And we don't know, and there seems to be a large group of people in the middle that don't buy the the man made global warming problem, but they but they still think it's warming. Like, we're, you know, they're still stuck in it. They don't want to commit to, to uh, anthropogenic, but they still think it's warming. And then there's, then there's your, your, a lot of your work seems to show that, you know, that a lot of that's false as well. And I mean, we know, like we talk about all the time here where it doesn't seem like it's warming where we live. I mean, over the last decades and all that. I mean, there's not a lot of evidence for us that we see, but you hear it so much in the media. You know, it's right. it, that I think a lot of people... They back off of that, but they don't really. So it's probably hard for them to accept the stuff that you're showing. Yeah, well, the you know, like saying that I'm a heretic from both sides, I and mean, obviously, climate alarmists don't like me, um, <laughs> and a lot of skeptics don't like me either because 
there's a lot of skeptics out there who want to maintain this as some sort of academic scientific debate. And I don't see it that way. I, I see it as a scam. Um, I, I, I see it as there's some people out, very powerful people out there with money who have a goal of um, taking control of the U.S. energy supply. Yeah. Um, and, and we can talk about later why, who I would guess that would be. Yeah. Um, and I don't see that there's any science going on here at all. I think it originally, maybe 30 years ago, when James Hansen started, gave his testimony to Congress, and it was very hot back in the 1980s. I think it was easy for people to believe that. But at this point, they're no longer doing any science. And now, just about every single story you see about climate is the exact opposite of what's actually going on in the real world. And it's it's such an obvious scam at this point. And that, I call it that. I, I don't call, you know, I don't want to talk about this as if it's science. And there's some other skeptics out there who don't want me doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, so I get trashed a lot from both sides. Yeah. But I, I don't care. I'm, I'm just doing, you know, I, I worked as an engineer, um, as a microprocessor designer. I worked on a lot of the most popular microprocessors in the world, like the Intel i7, which is probably in your laptop. Um, Power PC, which is in most of the game um, game consoles until about three years ago, um, and I was a key player in that. And my job was to find everything that was wrong with the design before it went to the fab. And so I would just go through and hammer away, boom, boom, find everything that's wrong with it. And it didn't matter to me what other people thought. You know, if an engineer didn't want me finding things wrong with their work, it didn't make any difference to me. My job was to make sure that it didn't go to fab because that would be a disaster for the company yeah. and for their job. So I got very thick skin and, and I don't care what other people think. The only thing I care about is getting the right, you know, looking at the data and getting the right answer. And so I'm, I'm do, I do the climate stuff exactly the same way I do my engineering work. Yeah. 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 You don't have a vested interest either way. You're not getting paid by big oil. There's no, there's no. Yeah. I'm not right now. I'm not getting any funding. I'm actually hoping that that will change sometime in the next year. But for the past 12 years, I haven't had any funding other than some donations on my blog. Which yeah. I'm yeah. Very, yeah. I'm very appreciative for. Yeah. They probably work out to a little less than I would have gotten flipping burgers at McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it's still it's been a huge help. Yeah, um, people you know sending me money and occasionally I've gotten some pretty decent contributions. Yeah, we can't do it without the people funding our, our show. Like we get uh, you know a few yeah. donations here and there and a bunch of people that subscribe monthly and yeah, it's uh, it helps out a lot. Yeah, cool. Yeah, good to hear. Well, we'd have to burn this and burn it down without the supporters. Darren, the it. world's on fire already, Darren. Truth it on. is. It's getting hot out there. I mean, this is probably one of the colder summers again <laughs> for the third or fourth time in a row, which is a real shame. I'm really predicting winter's going to be a bitch. From all, yeah, I just, uh, saw the, I just saw the Farmer's Almanac predicted a really harsh winter, at least for the eastern half of the U.S. Anyway, so. well, let's hope. It's <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, you know, well, I, so I was a I was a diehard climate uh, global warming believer for a long time. Um, I, I worked uh, forty years ago. I was working at, at Los Alamos Labs um, as a geologist, and my boss introduced me to the idea and. It all seemed very believable. I mean, the, the basic idea, you know, is perfectly, is very credible. And 
during the 1980s, you know, we had a lot of really very hot weather. The year 1980 was an incredibly hot summer in a lot of the United States and in, in the Southern Plains is one of the hot, probably the hottest summer on record in Texas and Oklahoma. And then 1988, when, when James Hansen gave his testimony to Congress, that was an extremely hot year in the Midwest and the East. You know, it was probably the hottest summer on record in the East. And, and so a lot of things seem really incredible. And I was, I was working um, in Europe a lot in the 90s, and it was extremely warm. I would fly into Heathrow in London in February, and the grass was green. People were out water skiing. And I lived in England in, in 1969, 1970, and it was much colder. So the whole thing seemed very believable to me. And um, I even went to a, a city council meeting once around 2002. I was a soccer coach, and, and we were having a terrible drought in here in Colorado, and I pleaded to the city council to open up soccer fields for they shut down the soccer fields for the kids because they didn't want them getting damaged. And I told them, I said, look, with this global warming thing, it's just going to get worse and worse. So you know, the kids are just going to have to learn how to play on 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 bare ground, so <laughs> like they do in, in Brazil, and they have a lot of good soccer players in Brazil. So I convinced them to open up the soccer field, or at least a few of them, um, so that. But but later on in the decade, I started looking at it more and started seeing things happening with the weather patterns, which didn't seem to fit in with the, um, you know, with, with the theory. And so I started investigating it more, and I started finding things that were very disturbing with how data was being handled. Right. And that, and that sort of became my area of, of focus was looking at what was going on with the, the raw data and the discrepancy between the raw data mm -hmm. and what was being published. And, and over the last 12 years, it's gotten much worse. Yeah. I mean, at this point, this point, basically, every single article you see in the press about climate is the exact opposite of yeah. reality. Yeah. They're just, the whole thing's just become a huge scam. And newspapers like the LA Times and the New York Times have an open policy of refusing to print any um, opposing information. Yeah. They will only print information which comes from their sources, which essentially means that they will only print misinformation. Yeah. Stop. They're, I think that's terrible. on every topic, from what I can tell. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I wouldn't. Yeah, you know, I, I, I grew up in a household where, like, the New York Times was delivered every single day. And, um, you know, for my, you know, my mom passed away a few years ago. My dad, for, for him, it's still gospel. And I, and I talked to my grandma, uh, she's 97, last year, and she said the same thing. First, they're all from New York. They think New, everything in the New York Times is like God's word. And I couldn't understand it until a couple months ago, I was researching some stuff in the New York Times for about 1911. And back then, it was a great newspaper. They had just tons of really interesting, diverse stories about all kinds of topics. I thought, wow, what a great newspaper. You know, now I think it's complete garbage. But I, but I understand now where their reputation came from, that they, they used to be a really great paper. Yeah. Before the CIA come in, yeah. got it, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's a real shame, you know, doing the podcast six and a half years, it's like slowly you throw out all the textbooks and then it's like, okay, so most of history's fake. And then, you know, yeah. you can't trust any of the news networks and it's like, it doesn't leave a lot left. There's not a lot of pillars of, uh, 
pillars of industry left standing, really. Well, and it wouldn't be so bad if they weren't arg- if they were just arguing whether ghosts are real or these like you know frivolous topics. But there, this is like important. Consciousness. This is this is conscious fear mongering and uh, yeah, and and you know like like you say a lot in your videos about you know they're creating policies based on this alarmism. I mean, it's, it's costing it's, me money. It's well, I mean, and then, yeah. yeah, it's costing us money too. With the car, we in Canada here, we had to start paying carbon taxes, and uh, you know, it's just getting ridiculous. Well, it's not just it's not just that they're creating policies on it. It's that this is stuff is specifically being done to push towards those policies. Yeah, that's that's the purpose right, of it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, Eisenhower in his farewell speech in 1961 warned about the danger of a scientific and technological elite seizing control of public policy. And that's exactly what we see going on here. We have someone who's trying to use this group of, you know, this small, and it's a small group of scientists as, as in order to do that. I mean, if you look at who actually gets quoted in the press, maybe a dozen of these same people get quoted over and over again. Michael Mann, Catherine Hayhoe, Jason Box, a few other people. And they always say there's a 97% consensus, yet for some reason they can only find maybe 10 actual scientists <laughs> who are part of the consensus. So I guess that means there's only like 11 scientists in the world or something. <laughs> well, was, to was, what end? To, to what end? Well, okay, so... If you want to get into that, um, so so the big thing, right, is they want to shut down the fossil fuel supply, um, which you know, we're, in, we're we're all completely dependent on it. I mean, if if you if people drove up to the gas station in the morning and there wasn't any gas, it, it would be a, a catastrophe. You know, we're completely dependent on our transportation, um, our food supply, you know, everything, heat. staying warm, heat communications, everything we've got is completely dependent on fossil fuels. And if they actually succeeded in shutting it down, it would be a catastrophe you know, beyond their comprehension. I don't see that happening. I see what happening is if they're successful in shutting down like the U.S. and Canadian fossil fuel production, then what happens is we get forced over to buying it from uh, the Middle East or, and in Europe they're forced to buy natural gas from Russia. So to me, that makes it those two are the most likely financiers of all this. And those are the people who would benefit from anti-fracking stuff, from um, shutting down, you know, keeping it in the ground, would be Russia and Saudi Arabia. Huh. So, so you know, I don't have any evidence that they're buying it, but usually that's so how I analyze this stuff. is like, who, do, who would benefit from these actions? And it's obviously people with a lot of money because they're spending an incredible amount of money financing the scam and, and financing all the journalists and everyone else behind it. Um, so they, they seem to be like likely first places to look. What about the actual like uh, the oil corporations themselves? Like just sort of does that do they get to do any are they profiting from any, you know, throwing an extra? I, 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 I said, well, they, pro- they probably are profiting some from taxes. It gives them an excuse to raise prices. But I don't really see that they would be primary beneficiaries of, and I don't see them being behind that um, because there, there's people like you know Alexandria Cortez throwing out some incredibly dangerous ideas, <laughs> which would just basically shut the oil companies down. I mean, yeah. they, I, I don't see them being in cahoots with that. 
So the people who would make sense to want to do that would certainly be Russia. Russia's an obvious target, and maybe Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like Russia's that's, part of that uh, That's globalist where Russia's thing, meddling like, is they've got you all believing in fucking global warming. Can you can you imagine if that's it? Like everyone's heads would just because everybody else thinks they're against the globalists and they're sort of uh, know, people would just yeah. drop in the streets. They yeah. couldn't yeah, comprehend but they, it. But if they could shut down fracking, though, then Europe would have to buy their natural gas yeah, yeah. from. Russia instead of like they used to instead of you know the United States all the fracking in the United States has hurt Russia financially very badly because they're buying cheap gas from the US instead of expensive gas from you know the eastern bloc hmm. they should be buying it from Alberta yeah <laughs> we get you on the sales team <laughs> so uh <laughs> so what what was i going to say there's uh Oh, there's so much. There's so many, so many things to talk about. The the opposite, like, yeah. you mentioned that these things are actually the opposite of what's happening. That seems almost purposeful to me. Like, it almost seems like. Oh, there's, there's no question it's purposeful. It's 100% purposeful. To get it opposite? Like, to get it, like, uh, to just take it know, and go, like, we're going to just say the exact opposite of what's going on and then. People are going to like, it just seems so hard for me to comprehend people doing that. Well, well, this would be a good time to jump into my yeah, slides. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Because I want to, I want to show specific. some, yeah, we want to show some examples here and then we can get All back right. into the motivations behind it a little bit. Okay. I'll share my <clears throat> screen here. Yeah. And I like how you mentioned that Eisenhower speech because most of the people talk about the military industrial complex part of it, but he did, he did extend it to uh, what you were talking about, which was the tech elite. And there was a separate part of that speech. that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, can you see my yep. screen now? Yep. Yep. Okay. 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 Good. All right. So, so this is a, uh, a page from the U S national climate assessment from this year. Um, it's from their final report and, and this went out to the press and politicians and, ge and generated a tremendous amount of hysteria earlier in the year, went back around February. I mean, it was showed all the evidence for how the United States was going to burn up and, we're going to drown and all kinds of horrible things were going to happen based on these charts. Um, so I'm going to show you, um, you see my mouse cursor there? Yep. yep. Okay. So I'm going to show, focus on several of the graphs. This one is U.S. heat waves. It shows U.S. heat waves increasing quite a bit from the 1960s until the current decade. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're going to look at this one, U.S. wildfires, and it shows from... 1983 to the present, U.S. wildfire is increasing. And the other one I'm going to look at is um, Arctic sea ice extent. They show Arctic sea ice extent declining from 1979 until the present. Okay, and, and this, of course, this stuff goes out and people say, oh, yeah, yeah, this climate change is real and it's very bad. You know, it's going to get super hot. We're, we're going to burn up and then we're going to have fires. We're going to come burn up our houses. And the Arctic's going to melt and we're all going to drown, right? That's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so now we're going to get go. We're going to look at heat waves first. Now, this is a very odd choice of dates, 1960. Why did they start their graph in 1960? I'm going to show you why. Okay, okay there's the graph yeah, right there, yeah. a close-up yeah. of it. Okay, this is another page from the supporting material to the National Climate Assessment. This is also part of the official National Climate Assessment document, but it didn't go into the final report. They have a link to it in the <laughs> final report. But this shows 
U.S. heat waves um, going back to the year 1900. They didn't start in 1960. They started in 1900. So what you can see is that around the 1930s, it was really hot. We had incredibly hot years in the 1930s, not just in the United States, but also in Canada. It was also extremely hot um, during that time. And then it cooled way down until the 1960s. And then it's warmed up a little bit since then, but nowhere near as much as it was in the 1930s. And then if you look at their heat wave magnitude graph, same thing. It was much, much hotter. Heat waves were much worse back in the 1930s, really from about 19... This is an annoying thing about Google um, Slides. If you put your mouse too close to the bottom, that thing pops up. It drives yeah, me yeah. nuts. Oh, yeah. But I make in my videos... I don't know why they don't. They understand that people are using Google Slides to make presentations. <laughs> I wish there was somebody you could complain to at Google. <laughs> but anyway, from about 1910 to about uh, uh, 1960, we had a lot of heat waves, and then it dropped way off. They've gone back up a little bit, but not not very much. We're not even back up to where we were back around 1910. And then this was this graph is also interesting. It shows the warmest temperature of the year, um, and it shows that. 1930s, it got much hotter, and now we don't get that hot anymore. And this this map shows the change in warmest temperature of the year from uh, between 1901 and 1960 and the, and the last 30 years. So you can see that most of the U.S., mostly, particularly the eastern U.S., was much warmer from prior to 1960 than it has been in the last 30 years. Uh, it's, a little, it's been a little bit warmer in the Rocky Mountain states and some other places in the West, but for the most part, the U.S. was much warmer prior to, um, um, you know, 1960. So now you can see why they started their graphs in 1960, because it was the low point. So they cherry-picked a low point, and they emitted all of this data prior to 1960, because it shows the exact opposite of the story they're trying to tell. They want people to think that it's getting hotter in the U.S. when actually it's getting cooler. So that's um, why so everyone was freaking out about global cooling in the seventies too, because it looked like yeah, I, it looked oh, like an yeah, ice yeah. age if was coming. Did, if that didn't turn around, it would have kept going. Yeah, if that didn't turn around oh, yeah. in in seventy, yeah, yeah, yeah. North America and the Eastern Arctic cooled in a tremendous amount between nineteen forty and nineteen seventy, and they had good reason to believe there was an ice age coming in. Um, the ports around Iceland in in the nineteen seventy. The, the ports on Iceland were blocked with ice for the first time in a century. So it was it was extremely cold in, in the U.S., Canada, um, and and much of the Arctic during that time. Okay, so, so this is just a close-up of that graph. You know, cold heat. 1936 was an unbelievably hot year in the United States and Canada. Um, thousands of people died in the heat. Um, and then this is the heat wave magnitude of the graph. There's 1936 again. You can see it's much, much hotter than anything since then. Um, and then this is the uh, warm spell days. Because so now what I did is I superimposed the, the graph, which went out on the uh, final report, on the complete graph, um, which was in their supporting team. <laughs> you can see exactly what they did. They cherry-picked the one spot on the graph, which they could do to make it look like heat waves are getting worse in the U.S. It's just blatant fraud, and it's very intentional, right? Yeah, but they even they even made the uh, the the red thing step up instead of it going up a little bit in the eighties, and then starts to level out a little bit after the two thousand. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's just it's completely fake. 
Um, and this this sort of stuff doesn't happen by accident. This is obviously very intentional fraud. So now I'll do the same thing for the graph of warmest temperature. You see they did this, except warmest temperature really hasn't gone up much at all. And then, uh, okay, sorry. But anyway, so, so you can see what they did there. So this, to me, this is this doesn't happen by accident. And what's really disturbing about this to me, not so much is that propagandists in, in the government who, who put out the final report to this, but what's really disturbing is the fact that hundreds of climate scientists were involved in making the underlying data. So they all know that what was done. They're all aware of the fact that this was fraud and that it's not representative of the U.S. temperature record, yet they remain silent. And that's a big hint as to what's going on. You know, why do these scientists remain silent? Yeah. And, you know, there's very good reason for that. If, if they opened their mouths, they would, they would be destroyed. They would have their funding cut off. They would have their careers destroyed. They would be ostracized. And, and generally, most likely, they would just be disavowed. They would, you know, they would be disappeared. And I know many scientists, um, top scientists like Dr. Bill Gray, um, who was the leading hurricane researcher in the world. That's exactly what happened to him. So it, it's a very real problem. So they, so they choose to keep their mouths closed. Well, I even heard that Tim Ball said, I mean, my mom follows him quite a bit. And, and she was saying, he said that if he had the chance to do it over again, he might not even say anything because his family and him have been so harassed by everybody for even yeah. questioning the narrative, you know? Yeah, I did a, I did a, me and uh, Tim toured Australia a few years ago, uh, actually during the 2016 election, and did some uh, um, talks over there together and got to know him pretty well. And yeah, he's he suffered a tremendous amount over this. Yeah. The other thing is you're talking about like what, three degrees Fahrenheit there is the, so that's like what, one degree Celsius, something like that. And well, this, if you took that chart back to like, you know, the end of the ice age, twenty thousand BC or something mm. like that, or you know, a hundred thousand BC. 000. hundred. If that chart went back a hundred thousand years, it would be pretty intense looking. Well, yeah, um, that that's a kind of a, a different topic, um, and I'm not. I wasn't really prepared to discuss no, oh, that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So. So the, the, you know, the whole longer-term historical climatology thing is very interesting. Maybe we could do another talk about that sometime. But yeah. uh, for, for this one, I, I kind of just wanted to talk about just the, the recent temperature record over the last century or so. Yeah, for the sure. actual yeah. fraud. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, there's been plenty of fraud in the stuff going back further, too. Oh, really? <laughs> like, like with Michael Mann and the hockey stick. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, he's come. That, that's just the whole thing's just massive fraud. Um, so I'm really happy for Tim Ball, um, and hopefully this will go a long way towards discrediting Michael Mann. Yeah. But okay, now I'm going to go on to the next graph, which was the Arctic sea ice. Mm -hmm. okay, so this is standard graph we see of Arctic sea ice declining from 1979, um, and we see this all the time. This this was in the National Climate Assessment. And, you know, once again, an interesting choice of dates in 1979, because we've had satellites, you know, taking pictures of the Arctic since the early 1960s. So where did this date 1979 come from? <laughs> and also notice that actually, since about 2005, it actually has not gone down, and it's actually increased since yeah. about 2005. That's another thing they don't talk about, but I don't want to talk about that here today. So now let's look at the 1979 number. So what they say is 
they say they always say, well, 1979 is the start of the satellite record, right? Which is just a massive lie. And I, so here's the same chart from NOAA. Um, starts in 1979, and, and they show sea ice declining in, um, since 1979. But once again, not since 2006. It's been going on. Okay, so let's go back a little bit further. This is from the 1990 Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report, you know, which was the, it was the first IPCC report from the UN. And it says this very clearly. Satellite observations have been used to map sea ice extent routinely since the early 1970s. The American Navy Joint Ice Center has produced weekly charts which have been digitized by NOAA. And then at the bottom, if you look, it says in 1972 to 1975, sea ice extent was significantly less. <laughs> so oh, there we go again. It's the same story, right? They, they're hiding the data before 1979 because it was much less. And I'm going to show, go in a little bit of detail about that. Yeah, good. So this, these were the graphs wow. in, the in the 1980 Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change report. And so this is... Uh, this is the Arctic, and this is the Antarctic data. So now let's just look at the Arctic data. So in, in 1973, sea ice extent was really low. But look where they start their graphs in 1979, where it was really high. So they're doing exactly the same thing they did with the heat wave data. They, they cherry-picked a high point. And they can say, look, it's going down. <laughs> it, it's just madness. Um, and, and so the other th interesting thing to notice in this is that when the Arctic is increasing, the Antarctic is decreasing. And, and that's an interesting topic. It's not something I want to talk about here, but just something to be aware of, that they, they tend to move opposite each other for some well, reason. And they tend to only talk about the one that's doing the thing they want to talk about. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, they've started, trying, they've started trying to pull the Antarctic scam, too, recently, yeah. based on some, some low years the last couple of years. But, um, that's super but, but interesting. Yeah, but so that so if you were an actual climate scientist, which I'm not sure there are any of, you would want to understand why is this happening. Instead of just hiding the data before 1979, you'd probably want to understand it. But they're they're not interested, in that. and that's not what they're paid to do. So let's go on. Look. So this next graph shows all the data they hit. Right, they started right at the high point. And they hit all the low data before it. And once again, this data is satellite data from NOAA. Yeah, and so, so it's, it's not like you're going there and making up your own graphs. This is from yeah. this is from their presentation, wasn't it? Their earlier yeah, one. Yeah, this was the the intergovernmental <laughs> panel on climate change, the official UN, you know, global warming scam panel. <laughs> you know, they they were more honest back in 1990 than they are now. It's a total scam, right? But back then they were actually making some effort to appear credible. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I I married a, a woman from the Soviet Union. And she told me that, that in uh, Pravda had a policy of that they would make 80% of their stories appear to be somewhat credible <laughs> in, order, in order to make people swallow the 20% propaganda. But the U.S. press doesn't do that anymore. You know, they're 100% they're propaganda, yeah, yeah. Which, which makes it fun for people like us. <laughs> but for people who actually are taking news seriously, it's... It's kind of bad. Well, because they can't even imagine that it, that the lies are so outright. Like, there's, it's so bad. Well, you know what Hitler said. What? If you, you know, if the bigger the lie, yeah. It's like the more outrageous the lie, the more out people are to, to yeah. believe it. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Because people say no one can make up a lie this big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Now, I know you're not going to want to comment on this, and that's fine, but uh, it really makes you wonder if when the Northern Hemisphere is in full-blown ice age mode and Alberta is under a mile of ice. Or two miles, yeah. Yeah, what Antarctica looks like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like, well, there's pyramids. just <laughs> growing food. Well, I, I don't think Antarctica has changed that much because, um, oh. you know, it's so, it's so close to the pole. I mean, all just about all of Antarctica is within 10 degrees of the pole, so it stays frozen. But Alaska was pretty warm in the last ice age. Um, and, you know, the, the cold air, the, the jet stream went way out, had a big ridge up north of Alaska, and then brought all this cold air down into places like Kentucky. So they had ice in Kentucky. So... Um, that that is an interesting thing is that Alaska was not particularly cold, and the first people are believed to have come to North America by walking across a land bridge. Sea level was very low back then. They believed they walked across from Siberia and, and then down Alaska into the western U.S. because they were able to find ice-free paths through Alaska during the last ice age. Hmm. But my undergraduate degree is in geology, so I spent a lot of time studying this. So. Yeah. Technically, we had a corridor right here, I think. Between the two glaciers? Yeah, the between Lauren the two. Tide yeah, and the other one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you were, yeah, sort of on the boundary there. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so now if we go back a little further, this is a report from the 1985 uh, from the Department of Energy. Um, uh, their report projecting the climatic effects of increasing carbon dioxide. So this was the predecessor to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And it goes back much further. It shows sea ice extent back to 1925. And you can see there was a huge decline in sea ice from 1925 until the 1950s. And then there was an increase until the 60s. And then it decreased again until the 1970s. And then we know there was a big increase after that to 1979. We know that from the satellite data. So this co- corresponds very closely with the heat wave data, right? We know it was very hot back in the 1930s, and then it cooled way down. Or sorry, I, we had it was very warm, and so the ice was disappearing, got very low, and, by, and then it, we went into this cooling phase, and then it started to increase again. Um, and there's I have collected a tremendous amount of information supporting this that it was very warm in, in the 1930s when when the sea ice was rapidly declining. And by 1940, the sea ice had gotten very low. So this is more data that's being hidden, right? Obviously, that this the, obviously the scientists know about it. The people who wrote the National Climate Assessment know that the sea ice was much lower back then, but they just ignore it because they want to start over here. So the next thing I did was I combined the two graphs. I combined the 1985 Department of Energy graph and the 1990 IPCC graph, and you see what they did. They they cherry-picked the highest point of the century to start their graphs on. <laughs> so exactly the same thing they did with the heat wave graph. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's pretty ugly. This sort of thing doesn't happen by accident. It, it has to be intentional. And all the people who worked on this graph have to know what they did. Yeah. But they choose to remain silent yeah. for the same reasons. You know, they have careers and families and, and what? you know, they'll be destroyed if they speak up. Do you think they, is there any, yeah, how do you get them all to go on board? It seems, it seems so fucked up. Well, I just don't, hard. yeah, it's like, yeah. what are they up to? 
What are they? Well, I mean, they, it, there was the hint back with the Club of Rome in that book, and they wrote global warming is going to be the new enemy, right? They wrote that in their book. They and then when when did they choose carbon dioxide to to make you know make that the component of global warming? Well, I, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, Arrhenius started talking about carbon dioxide global warming back in the 1880s, right? Um, so so there's been discussion about it for hundreds. 30 years or more yeah uh, but it was really in the 80s was when they late 70s i think was when steven schneider at, at the national center for atmospheric research flipped over from pushing global cooling to pushing global warming i think he realized that's where the money was and um so a lot of money started flowing in the global warming thing in the late 70s and early 80s. So suddenly it became very popular with scientists, <laughs> with academics. You know, like uh, the, the playwright Upton Sinclair said, um, it's very difficult to get a man to understand something when his paycheck depends on him not understanding it. That's one of my favorite sayings. Yeah. That's disgusting. that works for uh, you know that's even swung into just voting now where we can just tell people to vote with their employment. Yeah, I said, wasn't there just a big scandal in the states where a company got wasn't it Shell? Shell got caught handing out a thing saying if you don't go to the Trump event, then you're getting docked pay. Yeah, they wanted a con con common enemy of man, and that was in the seventies that they did that. The Club of Rome yeah. wrote that. Yeah. Yeah, well, that makes sense because that was when the money started flowing into this. And, yeah. You know, now there's you know billions and billions of dollars flowing into this, which goes to academics. Like like here, one of my favorites is here in Boulder. Um, the University of Colorado and the University of Kansas got about a million dollars to study the effects of climate change on prairie dogs. <laughs> oh, and, like someone's uh, not pocketing that. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is that if you look at the temperature record for Boulder, there hasn't been any climate change in Boulder for 60 years. So what do they study? The only thing that's affected prairie dogs is they keep building up, you know, new University of Colorado keeps building new buildings where the prairie dogs used to live. Um, so the whole thing's a total joke. It was just a scam, the whole thing. So that, that sort of thing, you know, there's massive amounts of money coming in. And as long as, as academics toe the line, say the things that the people spending the money want to hear, you know, the money keeps coming in. So they keep, they're perfectly happy to just go along with it. Yeah, but the other, the other problem is, I mean, they're talking about, you know, spraying shit in the sky to reflect the sun. And I mean, we're, there's already some people saying we might be going into another ice age with the solar, the solar cycles. Um, we're going back solar into a minimum, minimum or whatever. And, and, you know. What if what if they cause us to do the exact opposite and and, and you know catastrophically send us into an ice age? Snowball well, Earth. Well, what's really what's really funny to me about that is, like um, this year in January, Illinois set their all-time low temperature record, right? and and last year in 2018, New Year's was the coldest on record in in the eastern United States. So we're getting these. You know, massive intrusions of extremely cold. You know, it was extremely cold where you are last winter. Um, and Montana had one of their coldest winters on record. Um, so the, we're getting these intrusions of extremely cold air, which, of course, they're trying to blame on global warming. And, and if, so we've got that going on. And then at the same time, they want people to be dependent on solar energy to stay warm. And then at the same time, they want to blot out the sun. Yeah. So, so it's complete insanity. 
they want you dependent on on solar energy during these unbelievable on these during these record cold snaps, and at the same time they want to shut down the sun. So where are you going to get the solar energy? It's complete insanity. What are they talking? These people are literally off their rockers. They don't know what they're doing. And Bill Gates, you know, he he's like supposed to be a smart guy. He's one of the people who he's trying to finance this pumping aerosols in the sky. So what, what's going to happen? It was minus 39 degrees, um, in, you know, last January in Illinois. What are they going to do if they blot out the sun and make it another 10 degrees cooler? Exactly. It'd be a catastrophe. And at the same time, they shut down fossil fuels and blot out the sun. You know, there's going to be millions of dead bodies if, if, they, if they're successful at doing what they're doing. Oh, if it starts getting cold in places like California and Arizona and stuff like that, I mean, people will be dropping like flies. I mean, they don't have any insulation in the walls. They don't have furnaces. I mean, it starts getting cold down there, even for a couple of weeks, and people are going to well, well, find out real well, quick. If the, that If the last ice age is an indication, it won't get cold there. Um, the weather will stay nice in the west, and, and the cold will go down the eastern half of the continent. And that that would be, and that's what's been happening too. The eastern half of the United States definitely has been getting cooler over the past century. Huh. So I'm not saying we're headed into a new ice age, but the same sort of jet stream patterns which occurred during the ice age have been occurring over the past century. That goes back to and that the, graph you showed us with all the with all the blue dots on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the eastern U.S. and particularly the Midwest has gotten much cooler. Um, we used to get terrible heat waves in the Midwest in the U.S. You know, John Steinbeck wrote about this in The Grapes of Wrath. And millions of people fled the Great Plains in the Midwest and moved to California because the Midwest became unlivable. And it's not like that anymore. It's been very cool and wet and green in the Midwest in recent decades. And um, it, it, we don't get those sort of heat waves anymore. And that's an important piece of mis- of information which climate alarmists have been worked very hard to hide, and I've worked very hard to expose. Yeah, yeah, we just seen heat wave uh, headlines recently. I mean, it's it's always then, heat wave is always in there. Yeah, the United States is having one of the coolest summers on record, and and they're trying to they're trying to convince people that we're we're all going to die from the heat. He's like, what are you talking about? The number of like 90 degree days and 95 degree days and 100 degree days in the U.S. has been very close to the lowest on record this summer. It'll wow. probably be in the bottom two or three when the summer ends um, the next couple of days. I think it just snowed in Australia too. Yeah, Australia is having um, extremely cold weather, one of their coldest, um, you know, August on record. I've been following that pretty close. There's, they've got huge. They've got like eight feet of snow at their ski areas. Do you still have that chart with uh, that goes all the way across um, the years from the early 1900s with all the bar the bar graphs and the uh, and the high? I think it's the the highest temperatures maybe across the United States. It's just a good overall view of um, the um, U.S. over the last couple hundred uh, hundred hundred and something years. Yeah, I could probably dig that up. Um, I mean, it's probably the same as the one you just showed us, anyways, which goes back. It's to very similar. So it's yeah, you don't have to. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, maybe if we have some time at the yeah, end, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll look for that. Yeah, uh, but it's yeah, it's very. My graphs are very similar to the ones in the National Climate Assessment. Right. 
So what so, do they say? Like, what do they, what do they say to you? How do they argue back against all this? Or do they, they don't. They don't, eh? They, no, they just, they, they ignore me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> occasionally, every once in a while I've gotten through, um, at, at one point, Anthony Watts and Judith Curry got involved, and, yeah. and they they started pinging Noah. And, and when I when they showed when I showed my graphs of how they were tampering with U.S. temperature data, Noah's response was the algorithms are working exactly as designed, which to me was a confirmation that they were committing fraud. But that's not how they, you know, not, that's not how Judith Curry and Anthony Watts interpreted it. I don't think so. Huh. But uh, but for but last but interesting last week the New York Times made a mistake of responding to me about this heat wave stuff, and they made a huge mistake which I'm going to be exposing in the next day or two. Can you give us a sneak peek of that? Peek of that? Yeah. Okay. So basically, what they said was so I I, I showed how they were cherry pricking 1960 as a start date for their heat wave graphs, just like we're in the in the National Climate Assessment, and so they came back with his explanation of how the data prior to 1960 isn't reliable <laughs> yeah that's, that's <laughs> which is a, which is was a huge smoking gun for me because i yeah well that's exactly the point the data from 1960 prior to 1960 like the global temperature data from 19 prior to 1960 isn't reliable and and so you see all these temperature graphs um from nasa and NOAA prior to 1960 it's fake data and and that's what i'm going to be showing it actually was very warm back the outside of the U. The, okay, so oh, I yeah, sorry I missed a point. The U.S. temperature data prior to 1960 is extremely reliable. The U.S. has by far the best temperature record in the world. I'm going to be showing you a slide of that in a minute. But the rest of the world is it's horrible. There's there's you know Western Europe has a few places with decent data. A few places in Canada have good data. Um, parts of Australia have good data. But when you look at the long-term global temperature record. About ninety-five percent of the good data is from the U.S. Yeah. So, so them hiding the U.S. temperature data prior to nineteen sixty has no justification. But the global temperature data, which is the core of the global warming thing, the data before nineteen sixty is garbage. And that's exactly and these and the New York Times saying that um, was a tremendous boon to me, and I'm going to be taking full advantage of that. I see. Yeah, you also highlighted some data from South America, I think, that, you know, if you look at certain stations that are measuring um, the temperatures, they haven't changed at all. But the one that they're using in their averaging algorithm is the one that, uh, or the one that's that's pushing the temperature up is the one that's right, been right. In, the, in the center of a, a city or whatever, where there's that heat, uh, what do you right. call that? Yeah. Yeah, heat island. Yeah, there's yeah, there's yeah. very little there's very little long term temperature data in South America, um, and well, most of it's centered around Buenos Aires. Um, there's a there's a station right in Buenos Aires, and then there's a few stations in in Uruguay nearby, with with ha halfway decent long term data, and, and Buenos Aires is a massive heat island. It's a huge city. It's grown tremendously, and then shown a lot of warming, whereas the rural stations in Uruguay don't show any warming. So what they do is they average them all together and yeah. contaminate, contaminate the rural stations. And then all of them show warming now. When, when the, What they should have done was just thrown out the Buenos Aires data because it was obviously contaminated. Yeah, That would have been the correct way to handle it. And so what they do is they just average in the, the contaminated urban data with the better, much better rural data and make it all garbage yeah, in the yeah. process. 
Yeah, and there's even I mean I've even seen other people talk about how some of the some of the things aren't even working properly, but they still include it or or they just take the one take a number of them out. I think one of your videos showed a good example of them uh, making them ease, as in you know that these aren't uh, they've taken them out of the data, so that you know it's up to like half of the data is missing. So and you wonder which ones yeah. they're they're removing when usually it's only a ten percent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the nice things about the U.S. temperature record is that you can go in and remove data. I've done experiments where you just randomly remove half the data or two-thirds of the data. You still get the same results. And that's the sign of a good solid data set. With a global temperature record, you can get any shape graph you want by picking the set of stations. You The global temperature record is so, so has such bad coverage and it's so incoherent, they can shape the graphs any way they want. And, and so when you see all these graphs from different agencies which agree with each other, the only way that could happen would be if they were colluding. It would be mathematically impossible for it to happen by accident. Yeah. And that's going to be one of the Yeah, collusion. Yeah. Russian collusion, maybe. <laughs> no, no this, well, yeah, Russia may be financing this, but I think it's mostly just collusion of U.S. agencies. So. We we'll all have a common interest of of money. If you know, it's it all comes to them. It comes down to the money. I don't think these scientists have a political agenda generally. I think it's just they know which side their butter their bread's buttered on, and, and they want to keep the butter coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They like butter. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let me go on to the next. Okay, so I wanted to show you some, some newspaper articles from 40s and 50s um, talking about the heat in the Arctic. Uh, this is from uh, Saturday, May 31st, 1947. Uh, the possibility of a prodigious rise in the surface of the ocean with resultant widespread inundation arising from an Arctic climatic phenomenon was discussed yesterday by Dr. Hans Allman, a noted Swedish geophysicist at the University of California Geophysical Institute. He was probably considered the leading Arctic expert at the time. He said that temperatures, he said that temperatures in the Arctic had increased 10 degrees Fahrenheit since 1900, an enormous rise from a scientific standpoint. The Arctic change is so serious that I hope an international agency can speedily be formed to study the conditions on a global basis, he added. He pointed out that whereas in 1910 the navigable season around Spitsbergen had lasted three months and now lasted eight months. So we know that the Arctic warmed an incredible amount, 10 degrees from 1900 until the late 1940s. In the other articles from 1952 from the leading American expert, Dr. William Carlson, who said the glaciers of Norway and Alaska are only half the size they were 50 years ago. So we know the Arctic was extremely warm in the 1940s and 1950s. The ice was melting. And we saw that in the DOE graph, right? There was a tremendous loss of, of sea ice during that warm period. And, you know, by, the, by 1945, it was very low. And these newspaper articles confirm that. So we know that this we know that this graphs are accurate and it was real. And this is all being hidden in the in the modern graph. They start right at the highest year in nineteen seventy nine and hide all of the very low years prior to that. So there's just intentional fraud that's being committed. Do you think oh, Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Do you think it's uh the reason it's becoming so like blatant and disgusting is just because 
Trump. It's heading in the opposite direction, and they just keep trying to double down. Oh yeah, I, I think they're desperate at this point. You know, you've, like I said, it's been one of the coolest summers on record in the United States, and and you've got all these news, New York Times and everybody, LA Times, and all these politicians um, in the UN trying to convince Americans that they're burning up. Yeah, and they try to, and, and now they have Trump to use as a as a scapegoat with it too, as well. I mean, they're really trying to push this on on Trump as well because you know he well, right. he pulled out of Paris and all that. I mean. Right, they're they're trying to influence the U.S. election next year. That's very important to them to get rid of Trump because Trump is is ruining their plans. Um, so that I, that's what I see it as. It's propaganda and it directs it towards the, you know, the uh, election next year. Um, What's this I'm looking at? Does that look okay, like a okay, volcano? Right, so this, okay, so you remember how um, in the, for the graph? For, well, let's go back and look at it. The IPCC graph, which um, showing South American um, or, or Antarctic um, sea ice back in the 1970s, how it showed a tr- prodigious decline and was very low in the late 1970s. Um, and that data is being So this was a uh, map, a satellite image, which was published in National Geographic in November 1976 issue. And it shows January sea ice around Antarctica. And you can see there was almost none. Um, the ice has melted almost all the way back to the edge of the continent. So this confirms the IPCC graph from 1990. There was almost no sea ice around Antarctica in January 1990, um, less than there is now. And, and, that, and that's a very important data point. Um, and it's something that, of course, he won't hear about in the front. And, of course, National Geographic never talks about their stuff from the past, which refutes everything they say in the present. They had an article in 1967, a very detailed study of glaciers. They stated, right out, flat out stated, that glacier behavior is controlled by sunspots. They correlate, they correlate with sunspots. Of course, you would never see them admit that in National Geographic now, because no. now it's just a propaganda rag when yeah. it comes to... Yeah, most of them are. I mean, geez, all these ones. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, but anyway, so... Uh, okay, so here's the last set I wanted to show you. This is U.S. wildfires. Once again, they picked an amazing date of 1983. Oh, uh, two other didn't go with 81. <laughs> it could have been my tenure. Yes. <laughs> what, a, what a great... Is that when you were born? Yeah, it could have been my legacy. Yeah. Oh, you're, I'm you're the wildfire a, guy. I came in, all these fires came up. Darren stuck cars, cause of fires. You know, I was just tweeting about, uh, tweeted a Fleetwood Mac concert from 1979 last night. So you, you, you weren't even a twinkle in the eye yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But, but anyway, yeah, so in 1981, uh, I, I guess maybe, or 1983. Yeah. Well, you know, how did they pick that year? So let, I'll show you how they picked that. Okay, here's a graph from the U.S. Forest Service showing wildfire burn acreage in the United States going back to 1960. You can see there was a huge spike in the 1930s. Jeez. And then it plummeted until uh, the 1960. It actually kept going down until about, wow, 1983. <laughs> Jeez. So, it, so it declined from 1930 until 1983, and then it started going up again a little bit. So they cherry-picked the years from 1983 to put it in the final report of the National Climate Assessment. And um, 
And this is not surprising. It was very hot and dry. We were having tremendous heat waves in the 1930s. So, of course, we had a lot of burn acreage back then. <laughs> you can see how this fire burn acreage graph very closely resembles the heat wave graph. Yeah. Um, right? There's the heat wave graph right there. Mm. It's the same shape graph. So not surprisingly, fires go along with heat waves and drought. Now, heat waves generally associated with drought. So now here's where I overlaid the final report graph on the on the National Forest Service graph, and you can see what they did. They just it's there's really not much of a trend at all, but they just blew it way up and made it look like there was this trend going on. It's it's all completely fake. It's obviously intentional and it's completely fraudulent. They're intentionally trying to scare the public with with misinformation. Yeah. The United States has gotten much cooler. It's gotten much wetter. And we have much fewer heat waves than we used to have. <laughs> it's just mind-blowing. It's... It, it, it is. It's mind-blowing. I mean, it's tremendous fun for me. but and, and they can't refute it because I'm using their own data. Everything I've shown you here is, <laughs> is U, official U.S. government graphs. Thank so. God for people like you that are just going in and digging into this and doing it. It's like you know? state-controlled propaganda. I mean, it's disgusting. It is. It is disgusting, but it's tremendously fun for me. So. I agree. Until they come, so I, come for us. Yeah, but it's, it's weird because it's weird because it's state controlled, but it's not condoned by Trump. Like it's state controlled, oh, but it's. Can you stop bringing it back? No, to no, no, no. But I'm just saying it. it he, like he physically pulled out of Paris, right? I mean, yeah. there is a big conflict going on. What, how deep you think it goes, or whatever. But it's yeah. it, it's state, yet it's not the United States. You know, it's a, it's a, it's, 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 it's deeper than that. Well, it's pretty clear that the UN is, is a huge player in this. Yeah. Like you, you could know, say state they, being UN in a way. Yeah. Um, um still all the same old players from way back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so this, so this graph shows all the data, which they had, and, and they quite cleverly started at 1983. Um, anyway. Okay. So this next, this next map is what I was talking about earlier. This shows where NOAA has good um, state, you know, daily temperature records in the year 1920. You see that almost all of it is from the United States. There was almost none in South America. Um, all they show is just around Buenos Aires, the stations I was discussing earlier. There's a little bit in Europe. Uh, there's actually fairly decent temperature records in Germany and Spain and parts of France. And then in parts of Australia, they have some deep fairly decent temperature record uh, down the east coast of Australia and in southwest Australia. But most of the world, like in Russia and Africa and um, and most of Canada, South America, Greenland, Antarctica, they have very little um, high-quality temperature. Data. So when, when, they per when they release global temperature graphs claiming that they have coverage over the whole Earth, it's just complete garbage. Most of the temperatures they're using from around the world are just very spotty records from really poor quality temperature stations and they average them all together and mix in the urban data and the data becomes completely meaningless so and that's what i'm going to be talking about and with, the, and with the new york times saying that the data for 1960 is no good that really gives me a, a big help and i really appreciate them making that mistake <laughs> And I will be leveraging it to full advantage moving forward. So, because my big focus, what I'm trying to do, I'm working with a lot of people in Washington on, is trying to 
get rid of the CO2 endangerment finding. And that was this finding which the EPA put out, that CO2 is a pollutant which gives them the right to regulate it. And, and that's the legal basis for shutting down fossil fuels. Without that CO2 endangerment finding, um, the EPA doesn't have any power. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the Trump administration to order a review of that. And so the New York Times gave me a big boost, and, and I'm very grateful to them. Because now, because now you can, now you can show that CO two is also not correlated to that uh, the temperature yeah, increase. Well, yeah. well, I've already I've been showing that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But but yeah, but with the New York Times on board, with <laughs> they, they were trying to defend themselves and instead stuck their foot in their mouth. <laughs> so thank you, New York Times. I forgot what my next slide. Okay, so just wanted to show you how they've altered the U.S. temperature record. This was the official U.S. NASA temperature graph in 1999. This is 1934, and this is 1998. And 1934 was the hottest year, and it was the hottest year in the U.S. Um, and now I'm going to show you the current version. Oh, look what they did. Wow. They reversed that. So I'll go back and forth a few times. They turned 80 years of cooling into warming just by altering the data. Cooling, warming. Whoa. So this is like straight out of Orwell, right? It's, they're literally re they literally rewrote the past temperature, the history of the United States, in order to make it look like the United States was warming. It's pretty pretty amazing, isn't it? And once again, both of these graphs are right off the NASA website. Not conspiracy. Wow. This, yeah. is NASA, this is NASA's own temperature graph. Now, what's their excuse on that? They, bad, da bad data? Or, how, or they didn't yeah, they, even well, say they, it? They, they, they've come up with a, a few excuses. Uh, it's a long story about it. I've, de I've shown that all of them are either completely incorrect or wildly exaggerated. And the one thing they're not doing is accounting for the urban heat island, which would actually cause it to go. They should actually be adjusting the temperatures the other way. Yeah. Because... Because as as our cities have grown and as as people have, they've we've paved over roads and put in air conditioning and heating everywhere and then snow removal, you know temperatures everywhere have increased as a result of that and, and they're not accounting for that. So so the adjustment should be going the opposite way of what they're actually doing. Um, so it's completely fraudulent. Um, it's right there on the NASA website. Um, Okay, so this this next graph shows both of them together. The, the blue line is the unadjusted NOAA U.S. temperatures, and the red line is the adjusted data, oh, which is what yeah, they yeah. showed is what they showed to the public. They yeah. don't. The, this data is available, but it's very hard to access. So I've I've released a bunch of tools so that other people can access it, and everyone who's used it has come to the same conclusion as I have, is that they've massively cooled the past, and now they're massively warming the present. So instead of cooling the present for urban heat island effects, they're actually warming it. These people have a lot of nerve. Okay, and so this next graph shows the adjustments that are being made. So they're cooling the past about one and a half degrees Fahrenheit, and they're warming the present nearly one degree Fahrenheit. So they're doing about two and a half degrees Fahrenheit data tampering. And, and this is the real hockey stick, right? Yeah. This is their hockey stick of data tampering. But the next graph is is the real smoking gun of fraud. And this graph, okay, in this graph, what I plotted was the, the adjustment versus year from 1890. Oh, I hate it when Google does that. It yeah. drives me. Yeah. Okay, but 
and it really limits me when I'm doing my videos because I can't ever bring the mouse down to the bottom of the screen without that popping up. So I can't say how many hours I've wasted going shooting the same video over and over again because I want to point something down here and then that pops up and I have to wait for it to go away and then do it again. So it's it's very aggravating. But anyway, this goes from 1895 to the present. So the next graph, I'm plotting the same thing, but this time instead of plotting years, I'm plotting atmospheric carbon dioxide level. So this goes back to about 1895 when CO2 was a little below 300 parts per million, and now it's like 410 parts per million. And something amazing happens, it's a straight line. So you can see what they're doing is they're actually adjusting the data precisely to match the increase in carbon dioxide. So what, what they're doing is they're, they're altering the data to match their theory. Right. Which right. is the ultimate scientific fraud. So, wow. So, that, so, so this is like I said, everything, every single thing I've shown you is straight off of, you know, official government agencies and uh, and a few newspaper articles from well-known newspapers. Yeah. You know, which were quoting well-respected scientists. Yeah. And, and so, you know, what what can you say? I mean, the fraud is so blatantly obvious. And so, which is why they won't confront me. You know, they don't sue me. They don't confront me. They won't respond to me because I've got their number. And yeah. they're just always hoping that people, and they do things like uh, they censor me. You know, Twitter has blocked me a few times. They censor my images. You know, YouTube puts little propaganda banners on all of my, um, um, you know, videos and yeah, and the New York Times, you know, the New York Times writes hit pieces about me, but they won't talk to me. Um, CNN's done, done the same thing. They've done hit pieces about me, but they refuse to talk to me. Oh, it's just mind-blowing. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're living 1984. We have the Ministry of Truth. They're rewrite, literally rewriting history. Yeah, and, and, and not only that, but they're rewriting the, the, the current, the present as well, whether it's the Greenland... Uh, propaganda that you talked about recently or the fires in the Amazon or the sea level rise you know you had a great video on the fakest July on record which was incredible yeah. I mean it's you know it's it's constant it's not just changing the history but they're changing what's happening right now too well that, that's what makes it so much fun for me I mean I can just go to Google News in the morning <laughs> type in global warming or climate change and essentially every single article that comes up is completely fraudulent it gives me all kinds of creative I, it gives me all kinds of creative energy I know what I you know then I'm just annoyed because then I have to go actually work for a living so then I lose eight hours a day going off and doing my job <laughs> and I wish I could just spend all my time doing this stuff because it, it's it's tremendous fun for me you know the work I do is the engineering work I do is extremely hard and this stuff is just so easy because it's like shooting fish in a barrel <laughs> Do you it's think really it's cool. going to come to a head here soon? Um, I have no idea. I, I won't, wouldn't make any predictions about it. I, I think the next elect, next year's election in the U.S. is going to be tremendous. And the election in Canada this autumn are going to be really important. Like, do you think, does it get to a point where the data, like, they, they can't keep flipping around where people, I mean, we're talking about lifespans as well, you know, like... Eventually, people have got to be like, you know, I was here in yeah. the 30s, and it was way the fuck hotter than this. Well, okay, so that's that's a, you know something I was about to do a video about is they, they, they use all these children um, 
like uh, Greta and, and Alexandria because they don't have any knowledge of history. You know, they're they're young; they'll believe anything that they're told. And you know, as far as they know, you know, they're told that there didn't used to be any hurricanes or fires, and it never used to get hot, and they believe it because they, they don't have any frame of reference otherwise. And then you got them like Alexandria Cortez. She lives in Brooklyn, which, you know, I, I can understand why living in Brooklyn, you would think the world is falling apart because it's not a very nice place. Um, so, but it's, it's hard, much, obviously much harder to convince people who are older who've actually lived through it. But like the heat of the 1930s, I, I've talked to my parents about it. Yeah, they were born in late 20s, early 30s. They don't remember it. You know, they were little kids. So really, you would have to be probably close to 100 years old to have any chance of remembering this stuff. Well, the thing is, less and less people are believing the media, but they still somehow have a stranglehold on the culture. Like, and you know, they, and it's not that they're watching it on TV, but I think they've just got enough of their fingers in the internet where their stories are still, you know, going viral and still. Yeah, brainwashing them. People, people don't want to leave. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't help that like there's this weird sort of like adult child sort of thing coming up, where you know people are looking for a government to take more control of them, and it's like they need that overarching body to sort of tell them the truth, and that everything's going to be all. You know, it's almost like that. It's like I mean, it's it's from the people standpoint or the sheeple, whatever you want to call them. Um, it's almost like, uh, I don't know what the word is, but it's like a, a willful ignorance for sure. Well, well, I think that, you know, what I found is that people in cities tend to believe that the world's falling apart because they live in a really crummy environment, whereas people who live out in the country don't. Um, well, farmers certainly don't believe it That's generally. interesting. Um, although here in Boulder, where I am, you know, it's the, the weather is beautiful and the environment's beautiful. And you can still find a huge amount of people who believe in this just because they they listen to NPR and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like 80% left-wing nutcases here in Boulder. And, and so they're constantly propagandized with this evidence. So even though it completely is opposite of their own experience, what they see they'll still believe things like the Arctic is melting because they've never been to the Arctic and NPR is telling them that the Arctic's melting. So so they'll believe it. And I think that's a big part of this whole scam is that they always make it someplace that's really far away, which which no one will ever see. and They don't know that they're lying about it. It's always the Arctic or Antarctica or you know some Pacific island, which no one will ever go to. Yeah. Because it's... it's if they came in and they said it's getting super hot in Boulder, you know, some of the locals might be skeptical because it's not. Um, but if they say it's getting really hot at the North Pole, then they, oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, NPR said so, so it must be true. And the New York Times, <laughs> so it must be true. Well, you know, the Maldives, that island that's sinking. They're actually is, selling the is, sand. Is the world's or? number one exporter of sand. <laughs> I know. I was going to mention that example. It's just hilarious. Yeah, well, there, there was all the predictions in 1988 that Maldives would be underwater in 30 years, which was last year. So one of my favorite things on Twitter is I just go into the Maldives webcams every day and like show pictures of all these tourists having a good time on the beach. And I always label it something like, 
climate terror in the Maldives. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. the one, like you did a video and it was all the different predictions throughout the decades of the Arctic melting, I think, you know, oh, yeah. and then it's still, it's more, it's got more than ever right now. And, you know, just a few years ago, they were saying it was 2019 or 2018 or 2020 when it was going to be melted. Yeah, and, you know, it's supposed to melt in 2008. And well, the disgusting and thing is 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, yeah. 16, 17, 12 yeah, years. They quit. I, 12 years. They quit. Yeah, they, I think they actually quit the last couple of years after failing year after. But if you look at if you look at the uh, CIS graphs from going back to when they started these predictions in 2007, there hasn't been any change in Arctic sea ice yeah. since they started making these predictions. Oh. All things a total farce. Yeah. What were you going to say, Darren? I forget. Yeah. Bastards. Those, uh, yeah. So... I mean, what, what what do you suggest we do as people that are listening to this, people that are just normal people that are open-minded to different views, and uh, and yet they are, you know, they do encounter people in their life. I mean, of course, they can forward your videos to them and stuff like that. It's very, your videos are very easy to watch, but is there other stuff? Also, got to mention your website as well, because you do have a, a whole bunch of articles, old, old articles that people can read that show that it's not just, uh, you know, temperatures on graphs, but they were actually talking about it in the in the papers of the time in the early 1900s and stuff like that. Yeah, I definitely. Um, I, I present a huge amount of historical information, and I got I got a really nice, um, uh, some put a really nice comment on my blog. Um, about it today. If, if you look at the top of my blog, you'll see there's, uh, I just posted his comment. And I think people have found it very helpful to, I, I did a big story yesterday about the extreme weather of 1913, uh, which I knew a little bit about prior to yesterday. But when I started researching, I was just blown away at the horrific conditions people lived through in the United States in 1913. Uh, the world's record temperature of 134 degrees was set in California that year. And then there were terrific heat waves all summer. Um, and there were these huge, massive floods and tornadoes um, all across the U.S. that year. And tremendous suffering, hundreds of thousands of people homeless and huge numbers of people dead. And I didn't know about this, uh, most of it, until yesterday. So I did a long expose of it. I think, I think people were really touched by the horrific suffering that people went through back then. And then when we compare that against all this idiotic rhetoric from people like Greta who are live completely, you know, comfortable, pampered lives all their life, talking about how horrible they have it. And, and you compare it against the, the very real human suffering which people had um, 100 years ago, I, th I think it, it strikes a chord with people that, that this whole thing is a scam. You know, the, the, the gap between all these millennials who think that they're suffering when, for them, you know, having a weak phone signal is suffering <laughs> compared to when people were starving to death or drowning or freezing to death 100 years ago. It's, uh, um, you know, the contrast is pretty extreme. So, yeah, if you could point people to my website, I think it's really helpful in my videos. And, and just getting people talking about it, you know, ask them, what what climate change have you seen? Are you seeing more extreme weather? Or are you seeing it getting hotter? Because I think most people will have a hard time with that sort of question. Well, I like the idea that it's a long game to control the oil supply because that would make sense. That would make sense yeah. in the fascist agenda. Right. Well, for me, it's always 
I always look at who who benefits for when I see a big lie. I always think who benefits from it, and the people, the main people I can see who would be have a lot of money would benefit from it would be Russia and Saudi Arabia. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Who are, who are uh, coincidentally, what that like they're. It's almost like that would make sense on why they're so demonized by our intelligence services. It's like a covert war over oil propaganda, or, you know? It's like... Fake outrage well, against Fake outrage, right? because we can't be outraged about what we're really <laughs> outraged about, because then people might catch on to the plot. Exactly. That's, that's a really good point, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure the U.S. intelligence services are in on this, too, so that, that would make perfect sense that it's a, a shell game. Yeah, so our game is that they're all just fucking hoodlums and gangsters, and they just have human rights atrocities all over the place, and we should hate them. Yeah. And they're saying that uh, the world's warming up. Yeah. And they're doing a pretty good job of sowing a lot of internal dissent at the same time. And that's probably yeah. just by accident. I, you know, I don't have any inside information, but I, I just tend to look at who's the beneficiary, who would be, who would benefit from the scam, and... Those are the you know names that come up for me. I may be completely wrong, but we forgive you if you are. We, we yeah. believe you're just doing your best. Yeah. That's all we can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, not my goal to figure out who's financing them. It's just my goal to expose that it's occurring. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. I like that. But other people working on the money. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, we appreciate you coming on the. St- on the show, Tony, come back anytime. Maybe we maybe we'll do that show we talked about uh, before about the um, longer term, the long term climate. We always okay. like to talk okay. about that around here. We're good friends with Randall Carlson, and uh, it's always fun to talk about because we were all on. You know, we're we're from a place that was under a couple miles of ice just a couple yep. of millennia ago. So, I mean, all it right. makes well, sense me... to us that the ice is melting. Yeah. Well, well, let me know. Um, you know, I'm happy to talk anytime. I've got, I, I could talk for a year about this stuff. I've got you know, a huge amount of material, and I, and I enjoy it. I mean, for, I don't get upset about this stuff. For me, it's all just great fun. Um, and uh, so, yeah, anytime. Well, you got to have thick skin because I mean, Master they're, they're attacking you. They got uh, you know, they're they got uh, fake websites out about you and all kinds of stuff. So you got to have thick skin. He's a master are, troll. So. I'm yeah. telling you, you yeah. got to see the Twitter account. Yeah. He plays yeah. it well, yeah. like a that's, pro. That's yeah. awesome. I, I just saw there's a brand new uh, uh, Twitter account. St- uh, Stephen Tony Goddard. <laughs> <laughs> it intended to confuse people. I think it disappeared in the last couple of days. Oh, that's funny, yeah. Yeah, yeah if you do a Google search, you know, usually the first thing for me, usually the first things that come up are someone pretending to be me and trashing me. I, I give speeches where, well, I gave a speech uh, to the Bolger Libertarians a couple months ago, and, and someone asked me, he says, why are you so self-effacing on, on the internet? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what they do you mean? They didn't so fall for that, did they? So, so, well, that's not my website. <laughs> it's just someone <laughs> pretending to be. So apparently it works. Yeah. And, and I've lost jobs over those websites. Too. Just think the guy who's controlling that account, his height of fame will be getting something written, written about him on the porta potty wall at work one day. That'll be his <laughs> height of disinformation. Anyway, uh, Tony, yeah, come back anytime. This is fantastic. Keep fighting the good fight. And uh, we'll keep uh, we'll keep doing what we can to send people your way, and we'll have you back uh, 
I'll be back maybe next year when it's colder again. All right. All right. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, Graham. Okay. Thanks, okay. buddy. Bye. Bye. Okay. Now. Bye. Is the mouse broken again? Yeah. The mouse broke. And that was our chat with Tony Heller. What'd you think, buddy? Luckily, he hung up. I loved it. Couldn't. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, it was perfect examples, you know. But I'm telling you, his videos are good because he he deconstructs the uh, one news article at a time, you know, one news story at a time. Like he's done the one on Greenland and the one on the forest fires, and he just grabs their data and shows it and shows how they're lying about it. Like the one on Greenland was completely the opposite of what they're saying. Like they're saying there's ice... Like this ice was retreating and all that. And when you look and, and they're using people's pictures, the, the guy's like, you can't use this picture. I'm not on a glacier. I'm on the sea ice. Mm -hmm. And they use it anyways, you know, huh. trying to show that, the, you know, that it's retreating and it's turning and melting. Like it's just deception at every level. This is not good. And it's actually expanding like six inches a, a day or something like that. The, you know, the glacier's been expanding. So it, it, you just, you know, I just don't know what to believe anymore. Once me. once they start flipping charts around and actual data manipulation, it ugh, that's a slippery slope, which do exist, Scott Adams. Yep. Which do exist. Because I would, I would argue we've been careening down one for a half a century or yeah. so. Yeah. wonder what's at the bottom. Anyway, big thanks, Tony, for coming on the show. Big thanks to the people who watch and the people who support Tony's work. While you're on the internet supporting stuff, head over to grandamerica.ca slash support. Support the show. Actually, by the time this show comes out as a podcast, we'll have the brand new website up, the brand new support page, Stripe, Patreon, Cryptocurrency, PayPal, a bunch of different options, monthlies, one-times, you name it. I've, I've finally taken myself completely out of the mix. So. When you sign up for a monthly anywhere, it should automatically give you all the info you wow, need. Wow, really? Yeah. It's no longer manual? No. Great. Fantastic. We'll see. It yeah, only we'll takes seven works. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've only been getting support. Well, it's not, fully, it's not fully secure either, really. I mean, like for them it is, but for us, like, you know, are you, you know, it's easy for people that... To pyrite us. Yeah. We're highly pyrateable. Shouldn't say our black budget is hackable, but... Yeah, you, know. you should say that, really. Why would you say that? <laughs> Your shorts are too tight. <laughs> Going from short shorts to tight shorts. Ah, uh, yeah. My shorts didn't Support get tight. My legs got. A little your bigger. legs. You're just getting bigger. You need to up. You need to upgrade your wardrobe. Let's save that. I kind do. Of, actually, let's save that kind of chat for the intro. Do you ever have those times when you start looking at your pants and they're all got massive holes in the crotch and stuff, and you're like, "How am I fucking still wearing these?" Yeah. I'm yeah. bad with pants, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Like I the, just I just threw out like three pairs. I hate pairs. buying pants. Oh, me too. I got to go to just do the winners. You go to winners and buy like four pairs. The bottoms will be like falling apart off. Or you go to Gap and you find those cheap jeans because you're, you're working. Like, I don't want to wear expensive, you know, pants all day, right? So you go to the, get those cheap ones that fit. You find the ones that fit, just buy like five pairs. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Grandamerica.ca slash support so we can get some pants that fit. <laughs> We do appreciate it. We couldn't do the show without you. We love you. Thanks for listening. Uh, we will see you and, next. And if you're listening on, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you made it all the way to the end. Go back and watch us on YouTube. Well, we'll say search, something in the intro. Search America Tony Heller, and I will. But just in case we forget, I mean, it's a long, you know, the long time from now when we'll be doing the. Why intro, don't you so. put the link for this in oh, the show course. notes? I do. For what? For this video. 
So that they don't I will. To, I'll put so the that, link of this video so in the podcast go, show So that notes. they don't have to go and search, search Grand America Tony Keller. Just follow the link in the show notes. <laughs> How about you do that? <laughs> I will. I do it. I do it all the time. That's what I do. <laughs> Apparently not. Just Google it. We don't even have show Google, notes, man. Google just figure it out. America, Tony just figure it out. Tony Heller. Just Google Tony Heller. There's your show notes. Support the show. And don't watch the the web. Be aware of the webs. There's a whole parody website. So that's that's to me a hint that he's on to something here. One day there's going to be a parody. And he's telling the truth because there's some people that created a massive website to try and fake be fake him. So to me that means um, he's he's right. One day there'll be a fake American website. Right. No, there won't be. I already have the URLs. Oh, do you? Gramerica? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Both spelling. Yeah. Good. I know it's going to be a tribute of every picture I've ever taken of you. Oh, don't do that. That's not good. America.ca slash support. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Soulmates whistling like a tea kettle, playing that seductive game, running through the meadow, amongst the flower petals, amongst the flower petals. She likes to swing on the swing set, singing 90s hit songs, then the 90s hit songs. How do you unfold your music? Have you got a up to an auto-tuner oh, I got psychedelic in the summer man it was a bummer when the leaves turn black when the leaves turn black when the leaves turn black I tried to reach you but my limbs were broken but my limbs were broken How do you unfold your music? Have you got a computer Synced up to an auto-tuner? Oh, like a light at the end of a tunnel I hear my soulmates Whistling like a tea kettle Playing that seductive game Running through the meadow Amongst the flower petals Amongst the flower petals She likes to swing on the swing set Singing 90s hit songs Na-na-na-na-90s hit songs How do you unfold your music? Have you got a computer? Linked up to an auto-tuner oh.
it's up to an auto-tuner.